Blog Talk Radio. Much love, baby. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to this episode, where tonight we're going to be discussing my film pick of the week, The Crazies, from 1973, and directed by George A. Romero. So before all that, I'm joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Globe Geek Keith. You drive me crazy, I just can't sleep. Oh, no, sorry, man, wrong thing. Uh, what's up, everybody? How you doing tonight? <laughs> Feeling good with the old school Britney hits. Driving us crazy all the time. So the uh, Dean is yeah, out for well, tonight. Not a job. So, yeah, yeah well, we, we know what so, the Dean's doing tonight. He, he told me, he gave me some inside information on what he's up to. And uh, let's just say I'm starting to, to, to worry a little bit here about the Dean. Well, see, he's got that new title, so now he's doing different things. He you know, can't be on the show all the time anymore, so it's a big deal for him. You know, because it's a tennis record. Now it's always here. He's got something to do with truckers and penis. I heard that, yeah. Something about the shipment of cocaine or something like that. I don't know. Uh, I think we're going to find out next week. (laughs) (laughs) And in case you didn't know, that is that psychotic symbiote himself, the Mad Monkey. Welcome. Hey there, Fright fans. That's right. Thanks for finishing that up for me, cool. This is the Mad Monkey mm-hmm. broadcasting to you live from the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic, where I and my lovely co-host, the Talking Terror crew, bring you the best goddamn horror podcast there is in the land. So tune in, listen in, because this is where it's at. Oh, and tonight, yes, we are getting crazy. Oh, <laughs> we're gonna try. Name insane, you cocksucker! <laughs> wow. Ah. Well, I mean, is he still yeah, around? I mean, after all this, I think he's just bailed. <laughs> Once the quarantine fuck, happens, mother, mother, fuck, mother, mother, fuck, fuck, mother, mother, fuck. <laughs> it's an ass. It's an ass. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he's on a whole other level over there. <laughs> well, that's cool. Okay, uh, so yes, with the, the Dean not being here, uh, I do have some things to talk about, horror news related, but I wanted to get some stuff out of the way first, so if you guys have anything you wanted to talk about before we kick mm-hmm. it off, uh, please do, uh, Ghoul uh, or Monkey. Uh, yeah, Ghoul, no, like anything? I said, man, I, I, I'm, I am at that point, you know, mm-hmm. a friend of mine posted something that had like a bunch of pictures with it and whatnot, and it was like, which... Which variation of Britney Spears are you at this point in your quarantining? And, uh, you know, num- number eight was Britney, you know, like starting to shave her head. Um, like, yeah. You know, basically standing there with the buzzer, you know. And I told her, I said, I'm somewhere oh, yeah. between that and showing my vagina to the public at this point. Um, yeah, it's it's uh it's getting old, man. This shit needs to uh to 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 iron out. You know, or else fucking I don't know. I'm gonna drown myself somewhere or something. Yeah, I'm at that Britney Spears um, hitting things with umbrellas phase. So I get you. I'm right there with you, buddy. 
um, f- for me, um, <clears throat> not really news, but just wanted to sit there and share that the Diva and I, just because it's available on DVD now for rental and stuff like that, uh, checked out the new Adams Family animated movie. And I just want to say, I, 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 well, I just want to say, I personally was really surprised by it. Um, while I found the animation lacking, and you know me, it's like it's got to be pretty for me to enjoy it. Um, I was actually surprised by how many jokes they actually threw in there for adults, and how many horror references they made in the movie. Like just because they had made a couple um, poltergeist references, a couple exorcist references. Um, invasion of the Body Snatchers, you know, stuff like that. So for people that are watching this movie with their kids that happen to be horror fans, there are jokes in there for you, too. Um, and, I, you know, and the Diva and I just f- found it surprisingly fun. But, Ghoul, you you, yeah. didn't, you didn't really dig it? Oh, you know what? I never got around to seeing that one yet, to be perfectly honest with you. Um yeah, I, uh, that was always on my list. It was like, hey, I'm going to go see this. I'm going to go see this. And then it wasn't in theaters anymore. Um, and then when it went up for sale, I just haven't gotten around to buying it or, or renting it. Or I figure eventually it'll come on like HBO or something, and I'll just watch it that way. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll give recommend from the monkey. <clears throat> um, so cool, what have you been watching? Uh, you know, with this whole thing going on, we have nothing but time to watch stuff. So I'll catch us up. Uh, we've been yeah. doing this last week. I finally, like, settled into something, you know, that's a long time coming. Um, I got back into Westworld. You know, I, I, I reloaded oh. myself into the park, started watching from season two again. And because, uh, you know, I remembered everything for season one. So I just went right back to the beginning of season two. Like, I start, I was on, like, season, I was on season two, episode three, began the episode, was like, yeah, I don't remember shit. So I went all the way back to the first episode. Was like, you know what? I'm going to watch this thing all the way through. And yeah, I am balls deep once again, right back into that. What a fantastic season, you know? The, with all the surprises and the big twists that they gave you at the end of season one, you know, I was really trying to keep my eyes open as to what kind of tricks they were going to come up with with season two. Oh, yeah. And when everything got done by the end of the season, I was just so pleased with what they did. They kind of did everything in a way that made so much sense, while at the same time, nothing that you would have expected. But it wasn't like a cheat either. It wasn't like Lost, where when it was all said and done, you were like, oh, I fucking knew that's what they were doing the whole time. I could have told you that after season one. Why did they fill four seasons of bullshit in there when that was when they were all dead the whole time? <laughs> Yeah, like I, 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 yeah, I agree with you, man. Season two um, did a great job of expanding the world, no pun intended, of Westworld. But at the same time, it was really well written, man. And they, they kept you going. And they were smart enough to um, <clears throat> be really subtle about what they were doing story-wise just because they knew – like, after season one, man, we were going to be sitting there watching and rewatching every episode, trying to see if we could find shit, trying to see if we could figure out, you know, where season two was going. Um, and I just really enjoyed with season two how they tapped into the storyline of the Westworld uh, sequel movie Space World and the plot that the corporation had going on with all of that. And like, I was really happy that they uh, tapped into the second movie of Westworld. I've never seen the original film. I've never seen Space World. You know, I know of what? it. What? Um, yeah, it was just, you know, again, never... uh, one, 
One, I'm not into Westerns. So anything to do with Westerns, even when it's, you know, futuristic robotic Westerns, just not for me. I hate Westerns. It's just, okay. yeah, I, I can't. Um, so even this show, you know, when it was first out, it was like, eh, all right, you know, like, I know everybody did the Deadwood, but I knew, I knew with the, the cast members that they had, that they were trying to do something that they weren't capable of doing back then when they did the original film. Um, so that's what, that's what piqued my interest here. Uh, but so yeah, again, going into this, I'm, I'm going into it completely fresh. So I'm enjoying like every little nuance, everything about it, but the whole season Again, like I said, like I just the, the the episode that no matter what that I just keep coming back to is the eighth episode of the season in which it really it was like a bridge episode of a show in which they give you like a story off of like, you know, off the beaten path. They give you a side character that maybe you've seen once or twice throughout the course of the season, but you've never had much interaction with them. And they flesh this episode out this character they built, they gave you an entire world, they gave you everything that you needed to know, all in this one episode that was like this microcosm of its own world. And like within that episode, I was laughing, I was crying, I was angry. Like they played with my emotions in every way possible. And like it ended and I just... I was like in awe. Whoever wrote it, whoever directed it, just so amazing, so great. Like this is the kind of stuff that I like to watch. You know, this is what yeah. makes me like movies. This is what makes me like TV. All done right there in just mm. one episode. You know, episode eight, season two. Suya mm. yeah, is the and, name of it. Yeah, and uh, that that episode is like it did a great job of showing you the worlds within the worlds and how the you know. The, the creatures, you know, or, you know, the robots of that world are, you know, actually living their own lives inside those worlds, whether they know it or not, you know, but they're living their own full on lives. Well, as they're developing consciousness, though, because, you know, we have two characters here that are operating outside of their programmed values they're making mm-hmm. their own like and they're doing it without any kind of outside influence you know everything about the show is all these other characters coming to realization through other means whereas this right. character in particular finds that realization on his own you know and again representing it through like a native american character kind of gives you like this mm. this extra little bit of a of a, of a, of a life thing where you can relate it into the real world and how the native americans thrived mm. over here you know in, in, on this continent of north america prior to the spaniards coming prior to the british right. coming you know prior to all of that stuff occurring so yeah, um, I'm like you where it's like I've downloaded season two. Um, Diva and I are going to go back and rewatch season two before we dive back, you know, or dive into season three where I have five episodes that I'm eagerly awaiting. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. So has anybody, has anybody had fun with like, you know, gotten any like big money, money coming in or anything like that? Or government money, no, I, stimulus, or, or lovely fun. <laughs> um, I, I have I have some pending in my account. It, it's it's there. It's just waiting to clear. 
But yeah, uh, I do. Um, the, I, I know that some of us have some hangups out there in the world, and hopefully they won't be too upset. It's on its way. Um, so oh, it's not, you know, not don't get don't. Ah, okay. <laughs> don't yeah, get yourself hooked up, King. <clears throat> oh no, no, because they should not block me. Suck my fat dick. Because holy shit, they're gonna keep my money from me and not give me an explanation. So yeah, eat one, original block. Last time I ever used that for my tax services. So it's the whole day doing it. Not brought to you by HR Block. Don't I have no problem that. calling them out. No problem calling them out. <laughs> After the day I had, they're gonna call out. So, but yeah. So no, I, I have no idea when I'm gonna get my money. Hopefully soon. Who knows? It's just out there in the ether somewhere. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I have nothing but time in my hands, so I've been watching a ton of shit. So, yeah, True Terror, uh, Robert England, I've caught up on all the episodes, so I'm ready to go with that. It's a fantastic <laughs> little series. Again, Robert England's just a host, so he's not really in it as much. He's kind of like Robert Stack, where he just kind of promotes, <laughs> you know, what they're going to talk about, and then he disappears for a while, then he comes back, and he's like, what do you think about that? And he's like, oh, okay, cool, he's there, all right, so... <laughs> Um, you know, his presence is there. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, episodes night, one and two of Harley Quinn. I finally, you know, caught up with those. The new season of Harley Quinn debuted, and I'm loving it, and I can't wait for episode three. Again, they're just they're doing it right, and it's, just, it's still funny. It's still keeping me engaged. Only two episodes in, and I can't wait to see what's going to go next. That's why yeah, I haven't uh, watched uh, anything of it yet. I haven't touched it because, you know what, me and Zach, we want to wait a couple of episodes at least. Okay. Because it's like, like I want to watch them week to week, but at the same time, I just don't feel like being tortured because they're short. You know, they're only like 22 oh, yeah, minutes or whatever it is. Yep. So they're, they're quick hits. Yeah. You can watch six or seven of them and, and in one sitting, you know. So getting two episodes in now and then having to wait week to week is like, uh, uh. <laughs> It sucks. Yeah, I mean, that's the way I felt about cursed films on Shudder. Uh, they're only releasing one a week on Fridays. So, I mean, come on. It's only five episodes. Just do the whole thing. Do the whole thing. Throw it all at us. That way we can just watch it, get out of the way, and have fun. I don't, I don't like waiting week to week. <laughs> yeah, but the Diva and I are in the same boat where, uh, you know, every weekend we t- catch up on our shows. And, yeah, like the King said, for us it's uh, Harley Quinn. And then um, we've been watching Lego Masters on TV and then RuPaul's Drag Race. You know, those are the only three TV shows that I actually watch on TV. <laughs> RuPaul's Drag Race? Fuck okay. yeah. I didn't, I didn't expect that to come out here, but all right. That's what gets monkey in the mood, baby. man, and the diva knows it. It gets monkey all hard, and then that's how she can get some, uh, some monkey love for the night. Them, 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 them he doesn't know the men yet. Do it for me. It's just... And I'll just say, oh, yes, I do. When you see them change in the work room, you, 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 you know them boys. Chicks with dicks. <laughs> Monkey wants chicks with dicks, dude. I don't doubt it. Oh, well, what is it? Intense um, yep. There's no such thing as chicks with dicks. It's just dudes with dicks. <laughs> yeah. It's a penis it's a so with a penis. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, movie-wise, there's one I want to talk about. It's going to lead into what I have to do with the horror news. Uh, but the one I just caught up with last week uh, is We Summon the Darkness, which is a movie directed by Mark Myers, starring Alexandra Daddario. It's 1988. It's a group of girls. They're in the heavy metal. They're in the Satanism. Johnny Knoxville plays a priest, and that's all I'm going to say. Very much like Satanic Panic, correct? I saw the trailer for this recently. 
Uh, not really, no. Okay. No, I mean, there's, there's comedic elements in We Summon the Darkness, but it's more so with the heavy metal and with Satanism. You know, kind of like Trick or Treat back in the day, where we had Ozzy Osbourne playing a priest going, I can't understand this trick metal music. Trick or Treat. Yes, Trick or Treat. <laughs> not yes. Trick or Treat. Not yeah, Trick or Treat, the one that you like. Trick, trick, no, trick or Treat. <laughs> Trick or trick, mm-hmm. trick or treat, tricky treat. <laughs> yeah. But either way, it's, it's, it's a perfect uh, encapsulation of 1988 with the heavy metal music, with the Satanism. You know, there's murder, not a lot of blood, but there's just enough to keep you entertained. But yeah, we summon the darkness. I was waiting for this movie for so long, um, and I was not disappointed. Um, I can't wait to watch it again, actually, because always on the second view, you get more than you didn't get the first time. So what did you find this one on Shutter? Oh, no, no, no. I bought it on YouTube. Ten bucks. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a new movie. Oh, yeah, no, okay. but, uh, I saw it, the trailer for it uh, yesterday, so. Cool. Yeah, it had uh, a, a digital release out there. It's got the Dario, so. Oh, yeah, and she's fantastic. You'll love her in, in We Summon the Darkness. But, no, this was a movie I always planned on getting. I was like, I don't care if it's physical, I don't care if it's digital, but I really want to watch this fucking movie. So I will put that in ten bucks, <laughs> and I will buy We Summon the Darkness, because I just needed to see it. And I actually talked to the producer. Um, his name fails me at the moment. But I actually talked to him on Facebook about it. And just all these references that I got, he's like, yeah, you got it. That's what we were going for. And I was like, you nailed it. Like, it's just that perfect <laughs> 1988 feel with the heavy metal music, which I'm a huge fan of, but 80s metal and mixed with, like, the, satan- you know, the satanic themes, murder, mayhem, hot girls, priests that are against metal, always a good time. So that's We Summon the Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> which you can find on digital platforms. Um, but the movie that I wanted to kick off horror news with is Corona Zombies. The movie that we've been talking about oh. from Charles Band and Full Moon Features, because I actually did check it out um, on the Full, uh, Full Moon Features website. Uh, it's 60 minutes long and maybe about five minutes of original material. And I say that <laughs> because <laughs> you have an actress... What? What? Uh, played by uh, Cody McPhee Cameron. She plays Barbie, and she's a stripper who's stuck inside during the quarantine, can't go out. She's got plenty of toilet paper, food, but she's bored. And when she turns on the TV, they start talking about the outbreak that was caused by the okay. Scamble Soup Company because they decided to make bat soup. And that's what's causing everybody to get sick and get the coronavirus. So from okay. there, we go into 1980s Hell of the Living Dead, directed by Bruno Mattei where they took all the footage from that movie and they redubbed it for 2020. So they're making references to Charlie Sheen. They're making references to things that are popular right now, like TikTok. Um, so they just dubbed over the dialogue from Hell of the Living Dead. But then they also use footage from Zombies vs. Strippers from 2012. So essentially, it's just two movies that have already been released in this movie that's 60 minutes long. So the majority of it is Hell of the Living Dead, which I thought was hilarious. Um, I wasn't even mad. So I was did- like, this is great. <laughs> So they took two other movies, mashed them up, uh, and then dubbed over all of it. Yes, like yep. including uh, including zombies versus strippers. Yes, yeah, they dubbed over that too. And then you get a five minute uh, maybe sequence of Barbie walking around her apartment, going, "This sucks. I'm so bored. I want to go out." Uh, I'm toilet paper. Oh <laughs> shit! So this so this is like a really bad episode of MST3K. <laughs> uh, well, it's more like what's up, Tiger Lily from the 70s with Woody Allen. Um, but it's 
it's, it's, just, it's good because I love Hell of the Living Dead. So the fact that they used that footage from that movie, and it's just so blatant <clears throat> that it's from that movie, because they even used the original Goblin soundtrack. <laughs> like, they don't even use new soundtrack. They just recycle the Goblin soundtrack. And it makes no sense when you're watching it, but at the same time, it's like, at least I get to watch Hell of the Living Dead again. Like, that's cool. <laughs> 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 Did they dub it poorly, like uh, funny, like Kung Pao? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it is horribly dubbed. You know, where they're just making all these jokes, like when the zombies are walking around in the jungle, they're going, Corona, Corona, at the top of their lungs as they walk through the jungle, even though their mouths aren't moving. <laughs> okay. And then um, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> so does Full Moon Features own um, Zombies vs. Strippers as well? They do, yeah, but not Hell of the Living Dead. Okay. So they, they I, I don't know if that's in the public domain. I don't know if they bought the rights to it, but, yeah, that, it's a 60-minute movie, and the majority of it is Hell of the Living Dead. So if you've seen Hell of the Living Dead, you're going to have a great time. You know, if you haven't, you probably still have a good time because it's the first time you're going to see it, and it's condensed version. <laughs> and at one point, they superimposed Barbie into that world, which I thought was just fantastic. At the end of the movie, they superimpose her into the movie. So I was like, okay, all right, you know what, Charles Dan? You get a pass. This is enjoyable. Right. <laughs> not not so, you ruined it. Thank you. Well, you don't know Thank what you. she was superimposed to, so I will save that not, for when you watch it. If sure, you ever sure, sure. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but aside from me watching it and appreciating it, the reason I brought it up is because it was announced today that Charles Band's going to be making a sequel to that movie. And it's going to be released on May 15th via the Full Moon Features uh, streaming service. And it's going to be Barbie and Kendra Save the Tiger King. It's going to be about them saving Joe Exotic. Uh, wait, so there's going to and already be a sequel? Wait, there's going to be a sequel to Corona Zombies? Yep. Which just came out like last week. A week ago. Like a week ago. Yep. April okay. Uh, they are all about quality. I can. I can tell. Cool. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Sorry. Well, once you see how well they did Corona Zombies and how easy it is to make Corona Zombies when you just reuse movie footage. When you're reusing somebody else's movie. Thing. Yeah. No. I get. I, I get that. I get that. But uh, the fact is, is that the oh. plot's going to be about Joe Exotic and how the two characters that we do see in Corona Zombies are going to be saving him. I don't know how it's going to involve zombies. But yeah, that's going to be the sequel. They're going well, after the to take, Okay, so we'll think about what movies could possibly be owned by them that have any kind of prison in them. Um, they'll find whatever free stock footage they have of Joe Exotic, likely from his web series. Because <laughs> um, obviously they're not going to use any of Netflix's footage because they can't do that. Uh, that, that would be a, a, a legal snafu. But I'm sure there's stuff that's in the public domain from his YouTube shit. So they'll cut something from a prison film. They'll cut something from Joe Exotic, and they'll put it all together, and then they'll try to save him. Maybe they'll have a tiger it's rape or something. Oh, so so something, so something like you know, Women Unchained or something like that. You know, some oh, sure. Pam Greer pr- pr- prison. T- like yep, <laughs> some Pam Greer prison <laughs> movies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Win the Blair movies as well. Damn. You so fucking fine, Pam Greer. <laughs> the monkey loves I mean, you. I, I just, I can't fault Charles Band. I was like, you know what? The guy's kind of smart. <laughs> you know, making these movies, 
with recycled footage, and now he's like, May 15th, everybody, Joe Exotic, we're staying current. He's still hot right now. Everybody's still talking about him, so I'm going to make a movie. I think that's kind of smart on his part. I can't fault him for that. I'll probably do the same thing. Uh, he's an opportunist, yeah. that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so he'll be releasing that in a month's time. <laughs> yeah, May 15th. That's when it's going to come out. I'm sure it's already done. <laughs> really quick, in the bag, ready to go. Well, I mean, I I'm know sure that the monkey won't watch it. I'm sure it's in post-production now, and they're just going to really clean up the CGI in it. No, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure, there's a lot. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, Monkey gave all three episodes Joe Exotic's story before he gave up. So I'm like, oh, man, you know, that's fine. <laughs> Dude, I tried. Look, I tried, okay? I gave it three episodes. I just couldn't get into it, man, just because it wasn't because of, like, how wild and crazy it was, which I'm sorry. I just didn't find it that wild or that crazy. Um, just because I've gone out and done shit. <laughs> um, it's okay. just, at the, it's just at the same time, it's just, it was a series full of just mean people doing mean shit to each other. And that's just not the yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> Who told you that it was I, wild I get into. and crazy? <laughs> and, like, uh, like all my coworkers were like, it's the you know the weirdest wildest shit you've ever seen. You know, you gotta watch it. It's so weird and it's so out there. And I was just like, okay. I'm pretty sure if, if you listened <laughs> to us last week, we all pretty much stated that there's shitty people doing shitty yeah. things. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it is. Yeah, and but, they're just yeah, abusing each other tigers. These are times. Yeah, and it just shaved my buzz, man. And I was just like, uh, you know, just couldn't take it. So I was just like, ha- had to give it up. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's not a big deal. I mean, it's not for everybody, but it's just, I was surprised. I mean, I was ra- just enraptured by the entire series. I was like, these are just the worst fucking human beings. And you could buy a tiger yeah. for 2000 bucks. <laughs> yep, only 2000 bucks. <laughs> just I watched cash. that new episode they just put out, too. Which is just basically what you name that. Uh, it's not an episode. You know what I mean? It's, um, oh, okay. It's, uh, I can't even think of him. He was in uh, fucking Krampus. That guy. Uh, oh, Joe McHale? Yeah. Joe McHale, yeah. Um, yeah. It's him yeah. from his house. You know, Netflix sent him a couple of things to uh, to be able to contact all of the, the people that were willing to talk to him. Uh, via like Skype or whatever and he's just doing like quick interviews with, with the people just to get an idea of like how are they dealing with their newfound fame and you know was Joe really that mm-hmm. much of a dick and do you think Carol killed her mm-hmm. husband and like that kind of shit you know yeah the diva watched it as well um, and yeah it was just a thing of from what I understand an episode of letting the other people give their side of the story real quick too right Ghoul not even. Again, it was literally just oh, really? quick. It was quick interviews with like a couple of questions, and that's about it. It was almost like Talking Dead, except not giving the like you know not <laughs> focusing on like one or two actors. They just tried to to hit up as many of those people as they could real fast. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, if you're looking for it, if you're looking for it, it is still season one, but episode eight. If you're trying to find it to download. <laughs> well, there you go. All right. Um, so another thing that's going to premiere this Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Shutter is season two of The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs. And it's going to be co-hosted, the first episode anyway, by Chris Motherfucker Jericho. 
I can't wait. And I'm all in. I'm tuning in to watch that. AEW is all Jericho. Mm. A little bit of the bubbly. Ayatollah of I rock and roller. I saw that announcement and I was like, yes. I was like, I don't know when I'm going to watch it, but I'm going to watch it because I just fucking love Jericho. And I know he's a huge fan of horror movies. So, yeah. I just hope they give him a big old chair, man, because he has gotten plump. <laughs> he's got a little thick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, listen. The belt, says, the belt doesn't even fit around him anymore, man. <laughs> <laughs> he's too busy with his rock and roll cruises to care about that. He's got too much on his mind in AEW. No. No matter what, the guy can say something that nobody else living will ever be able to say within our lifetime. He is the first undisputed WWF champion. That's right. Yep, He he has that title. The first ever. So he will always carry that title. What a fucking great match that was, too. That was, you know, it was a fantastic fatal four-way. It was a, uh, and again, not one. He was the last person I expected to win that match. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so, because, again, he came over from WCW and was, you know, kind of doing more of the same just with the WWE. You know, so I was like, all yeah. right, so he's going to hang around. He'll be an intercontinental guy. He'll be one of those guys who pops into, like, you know, he can fight a cruiserweight fight every now and again. So the idea that they were going to give the small guy the belt was like, whoa, what did I just see? <laughs> yeah. Not only the belt, but the belt. Unifying the belt. The taking yeah. the WWF title, taking the WC title, putting them together and saying, you know what, this is the only title that counts anymore. You know, end of story. And it wasn't like he was... In there with lightweights, you know, he only came up against The Rock, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and was it Triple H, if I remember right? So I want to say you know, Triple H, yeah. You know, having those four dudes, you know, all together, Chris Jericho being that that guy, no, no, I had assumed it was going to Stone Cold or or Triple H. Yeah, easily. But you know, don't count them out. <laughs> you know, I love it. Still love it. one of my favorite matches. Um, so yeah, that is this Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Shutter Season Two premiere with Chris Jericho. Uh, so this is something else uh, with board games. I'm not a fan of them. I don't like them. You know, they take too long. I get bored very easily, uh, as the monkey Man, knows. See, because it's Euro games. And here, they take I, like five hours. I, I thought we found a game to play with you now. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I found one. I found one that I would actually want to play. I mean, it's the price tag's a little bit high, but I wouldn't mind trying it out. Uh, so coming this That's fall, standard price. <laughs> uh, Trivial Pursuit is coming out with the Horror Ultimate Edition for forty nine ninety nine. 1,800 spine-tingling questions with categories such as gore and disturbing, psychological, serial killers, monsters, comedies, <clears throat> and paranormal. So I was like, you know what? I would do that. I would actually have fun with that. Of of course you would, man, because you're the fucking king of horror. No one else would get a concern, all right? It's like it would just be you rolling the fucking dice and going over and over and over again. No one else would you get a fucking turn. Yes, I do, <laughs> because this is what that. it was like. 
because this is what it was like when I had the Star Wars Trivial Pursuit game. All right, <laughs> that's how it was. Is when, when no one would play me because my turns lasted for fucking ever because I kept getting everything right. And no, that's because you no know one what is going to play out about Star Wars. Like you know about like <laughs> fucking paint sizes of fucking soldiers. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy wedge until he wore thirty-eight. What? How do you fucking know that? The fact that. All right, the fact that you even knew the name Wedge and Tilly's, I'm going to sit there and give it to you. Wow. Um, but, mm. but still. Wow. <laughs> but Drop us some knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like King. No, it's like you You might fuck up once, and then the ghoul would go, and then the ghoul would keep going, and then it would become the monkey's turn, and then I'd fuck up, and then it would be the king's turn for the next 30 fucking minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Of course you want to play this game. It's like we would have to, like, take, like, put this, like, as a tournament thing. Like, set up, like, at Bonfire B Designs when they go to a convention. It's like set up on the table. is beat the king of horror. That horror trivial pursuit, and you win a prize. You know? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind doing that. <laughs> like I said, I don't like board games. I just, I have horror them. I hated them when I was a kid, and I don't like them now. But I'd play the, the horror version. Just to see how many I can get right. I mean, that's what I'll be more interested in, seeing how hard the questions are. Because Trivial Pursuit, I mean, I used to play that when I was younger, and that was pretty hard. You know, a lot of those questions, they weren't very easy. So I'd like to see what they can come up with yeah. in the horror uh, version. Yeah, but then once you get it, you're going to get pissed off to you. Like, that's it? These these are their fucking questions? <laughs> these, these are fucking kid questions. <laughs> they should have contacted me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's coming out this fall. Uh, no release date yet as to when that's going to be coming out. Um, also on Shutter, uh, the upcoming season two of Creep Show that Greg Nicotero has curated. Uh, that's been on a hiatus because of the coronavirus, but Greg Nicotero went out today and said that the season two is going to be six episodes in length. He figured that was the perfect amount of episodes. It fits his schedule. It fits his crew schedule. So six episodes is what we're going to get. I'd like more, but I get what he's saying. You know, he's got a schedule to keep. What were you going to say, Ghoul? I do have to apologize because I just don't want my, my, my wrestling fan card removed. I was misremembering how the unification took place. It was actually mm-hmm. at Vengeance in 2001. It was held okay. in a tournament fashion in which Austin mm. beat Angle, Jericho beat The Rock, and then as they were both the champions at that point, one being the WCW champion, one being the WWF champion, which was Austin, they both then had a match at the end of the night, Jericho versus Austin, in which Jericho won, and that's how the unification occurred. Not well, a, uh, I thought you were right. But way. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I did too. I don't know why I remembered it that way. It has to be. And, and Kurt Angle, of course, being one of the people that got let go today by the WWE, he was another casualty of the uh, the massive layoffs. Wasn't uh, doing shit anyway. trying to cut them. Well, he was backstage consultant. So he was doing a lot of the backstage stuff, working with the talent, you know, training them, working on the stories. So he was doing stuff backstage when he was one of them. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the line of people that got released, I didn't see anybody where I was like, oh, that sucks. Did I miss them so much? No. No. Again, sadly, look, is it is it horrible that it's happening? Of course, nobody you know nobody wants to see anybody losing their jobs and things like that. But you know what? Hopefully, <clears> you guys <throat> can all go off and and be creative how they want to be. 
you know, the biggest grumbling I always hear about guys, especially when they get let go from the WWE, is that there's their ability to be creative as wrestlers, not just in ring, but with their characters, are just severely cramped. And when you look at somebody yeah. in particular that got released today, which was EC3, um, I forget what the guy's regular name is, but he's this big jack dude. He was a TNA champion. You know, this is one of those guys that when you hear anybody talk about him, they talk about limitless potential, fantastic ability. Here's a person that they can actually do a lot. Like, I hear nothing but fantastic things about this guy. And what did the WWE do with him over the last, what, however amount of time he was with them? They buried him. He, like, vanished. Oh, yeah. I could count on one hand the amount of times I've ever seen him on television. It was a waste yeah, of time. Was it, it was. Was he, was he one of the ones that they kept doing the build-up about, about bringing him up from NXT and bringing him over? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. There was plenty of promo packages about him. You know, about him kind of being like the next Alberto Del Rio, where he, you know, he wears all the fancy shirts and he drives all the fancy cars and he's this huge fucking guy. You know, he's the next big thing, EC3. And then they put him in these fucking stupid storylines where he was just like the fall guy. He was a jobber. You know, they dressed him up in a referee uniform and made him do some matches like that. Like, they just wasted his potential so fast. It was kind of amazing mm-hmm. to see just his downfall, like, you know, on television. You know, this guy who could have been champion. He could have been a WWE contender for champion. Again, you know, if mm-hmm. hopefully they can go off. They can go to AEW. I know Ring of Honor still operates. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, obviously, look, right now everybody's going to have to to sit back, take some time off. You know, I don't know, maybe work on some character development, maybe work out a little bit. Uh, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, you're not going to get picked up by anybody right away because you know everybody's stuck in this operational cycle where. You know, like I said last week, you know, I finally got around to watching like an episode of AEW. And I don't know what is easier on the eyes, like an empty arena with just the ref and the and the, the two guys fighting or mm. two guys in the ring with a ref and, you know, I don't know, badass Billy Gunn and a couple of the other people that are allowed backstage, like standing <laughs> out around the ring, fake cheering, you know, and cheering them on as if they're fans. Like, look, those those are... You know, I get that maybe, like, as a coach or whatever, maybe Billy Gunn's helping this person along or whatever it is, but then show it as that method. You know what I mean? Give us something almost for both companies at this point. I almost would rather them go to something like the Tough Enough competition and, like, mm-hmm. maybe give us a bird's-eye view into into what these guys are going to be doing to get back into the swing of things. Give us some storylines of guys saying, hey, we're going to develop this character. We're going to do this. Trying to have them fake as their characters and still pretend like they're grandstanding to the fucking audience and all that stuff, it's just silly. I want to see two guys that maybe have beef with each other in real life backstage, stick them in the ring, and let me watch them kick the shit out of each other, you know, kind of like in a real life almost (laughs) brawl type of deal give us something different because trying to give us you know planned fake wrestling when you can't really do it right is kind of painful to watch and they're gonna go live again now too which is gonna be weird they were live on monday yeah yeah they were live no, it was a full live show. Yeah, they didn't do any of the, like, the callback, mm. you know, to this match from 1998. No, it was a full three-hour live show. 
Um, so they did it that way. But it's like, it, with Vince McMahon right now, he's having the fucking wildest ride right now. Because not only is he now a part of the Trump advisory board to restore the yeah. U.S. economy along with everybody from the NFL and the NBA and the NHL, but he also filed bankruptcy for the XFL, and then he starts yep. letting people go from WWE because of having to make money. So he's having a wild fucking ride. And on top of that, WWE is now in essential business. Because he went to Ron DeSantis and he said, hey, man, we're in essential business. you got to let us run. And he goes, okay, Vince, the flex on this man. <laughs> like, you know, uh, okay. The reality is this, okay? To say that they're not essential is kind of silly because, again, they're literally the only sports-style entertainment. And now it's really sports entertainment. But they're really the only type of sporting event that is currently <laughs> operating right now. So as a distraction, as a, as a means of not just watching constant news breaks about the latest thing that happened with, you know, the coronavirus or other fictional TV series or films and stuff like that. They are your only alternative. Honestly, the WWE and what Vince is doing right now, man, I'll give him the credit that at least he's trying to keep them afloat at the moment because God knows how much money they're losing out on merchandise, how much money they're losing out on, you know, tickets, you know, with what they, what they cost to rent an arena, what they have to pay those people to put on the show and all of that stuff. You know, obviously, look, ticket prices are going to make them some money. But the merchandise, that's what makes them a lot of money. People that go to the uh-huh. wrestling events, they're going to buy multiple things because chances are that's the only wrestling event that they may go to in their lifetime. You know, so they're going to be willing to spend $70, $80 on a sweatshirt, $40 on a T-shirt. You know, you get this, you get that. Um on top of your fucking $100 ticket, or, you know, I guess if you went to the nosebleeds, you know, if you want to look at the teeny tiny ring like we did at WrestleMania, you know, you spend, <laughs> well, we, we still, well, we still spent $300 on each ticket for those fucking things, but that was mania, man. Um, yeah, it was 250 apiece, yeah. It's still worth it. Definitely, it was well worth it. Well worth it, man, without a doubt. Um, but still, so uh, I'll give him that kind of credit. They're keeping himself afloat. He has to liquidate the XFL. I feel bad. You know what? The XFL actually seemed like it was gaining ground this year. It I liked it. Was, I watched yeah, it. Um, I was yeah. enjoying the games, the ones that I caught. <laughs> yeah. You know, it finally might have actually had a chance. And nope, life stepped in and was like, no, it's not going to happen, Vinnie Mac. not going to happen. I'm surprised he wasn't trying to run for president. You know, if he wasn't such a staunch Republican, like this would have been the year that Vince McMahon decided he was going to run for president and the fucking coronavirus happened, you know? (laughs) But I I, I understand them talking to sporting event people. There's a reason why they're doing that. It's not just for the financial end of things. They're talking to these people because these people organize events that gather large numbers of people. And right now, we can't do that. We can't organize events that have that many people because of the way this virus is spreading. So, yeah, absolutely. You want to talk to people like Vince. You want to talk to people like Goodell. You know, you want to talk to people like whoever's running Major League Baseball right now. All of those people, because they're, they're going to at least give you an insight into that and what it takes to get back to those levels again. Yeah, I mean, I, 
I thought it was just a funny article when I saw that Vince McMahon is going to be an advisor <laughs> to restore the economy, but it does make mm. sense. You know, I was like, who better than you know, Vince motherfucking McMahon to, to help everybody yeah. through? And plus, his wife is still on the cabinet for Trump. Yeah, I was going to say, Vince isn't the first man to be there. <laughs> Linda was there first. <laughs> just moving right in. Um, yeah, if he ran for president in 2020, he would automatically have my vote. I wouldn't even care what his stances are. Just like, Vince, you got it. <laughs> like, you know, it's just it's you, baby. I love these stuff, kid. You got it. Let's put some wrestlers in the cabinet. You know, not, not to get involved with politics, because you know Come on, brother. we all have our different views on those things. But yes, I would absolutely vote for Vince before I'd vote for Trump, and before I'd vote for Biden or Bernie or oh, any of those morons, man. Because I just, I, I'll take Vince McMahon any day. Give me Vince with Stone Cold Steve Austin as his fucking VP. Okay, that oh, is the ticket so that I want to see. Oh, fuck yeah! We, we know if Vince Stone did anything up. wrong. Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to stun that son of a bitch, and that'll be the end of it. <laughs> and he never wears suits with fucking sleeves. Just always sleeveless suits. <laughs> what? <laughs> Stone Cold driving across the fucking White House lawn on a quad, you know, drinking fucking Steve Wise. <laughs> with a shotgun in his, you know, in his lap. <laughs> Someone called for the a press conference. <laughs> Every time there's a press conference, Vince walks out to no chance in hell. Swaggers <laughs> <laughs> yeah. up the podium. You hear the clap. Side of the pass cuts, give me a hell yeah. He has his own heavyweight belt with the presidential seal on it. <laughs> like, I don't know if you can tell right now, Vince, but everybody in this audience is calling you an asshole. <laughs> the reporter sitting in the audience just with signs. Austin three sixteen. Yeah, I see you, brother. <laughs> Anybody want to Steve Wozier? <laughs> throws a beer to the reporters. <laughs> <laughs> Stimulus package three sixteen. You know, like come on. I mean, we can just totally, totally run with this. Okay. McMahon Austin twenty twenty four. Oh, it's like it's happening. I just have Triple H as the press secretary. You know, Vince, I think we need to start talking about some of the policies that you got here because I am the game that I am also the press secretary. Secretary, secretary of Defense, man. No way. Oh, that would be good. Secretary of Defense. I don't know. I kind of want to Hulk Hogan in that yeah, spot. But, yeah, but no, no, no. Or you got Triple Florida. H in there because that because. Ooh, because even better. <laughs> No, but then all of Triple H's advisors would be <laughs> Generation X. <laughs> oh, I'd pay for that. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> we introduce you to it's my members like, of my cabinet. X-Pac. Yeah. <laughs> Badass Billy Gunn. Road Dog. Badass Billy Gunn. The Road Dog. Get your James. <laughs> oh, no, you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> it would be the greatest just, presidency just like, ever. There would be 15 terms. <laughs> Just, just like when DX uh, raided the Hampton Coliseum. <laughs> Running out of tank. <laughs> just picturing Shawn Michaels as the treasurer, you know? He's <laughs> just, just a sexy boy. <laughs> just a waving dollars and everybody has to drive by. 
Oh, no, I guess we, no, okay, listen, no, you know what, that's totally wrong. Okay, if we're bringing anybody in for that, that's got to be the million-dollar man. The million-dollar oh, man has got to be yes. the treasurer, dude. The former treasurer. Oh, my God, and he has to wear his suit with the fucking dollar signs and the else. Every press conference he gives. You think you're better than me? <laughs> and directly oh. below him is Erwin R. Scheister himself. You know, we slide him right into the mix. And we have IRS working for the IRS. (laughs) (laughs) What a great fucking cabinet that would be. Which his kids, his kids are going to work right below him, you know. You're going to have Bray Wyatt, the fiend, and fucking Bo Dallas, okay. So, I mean, this really is just going to be one big great fucking, this would be fantastic, okay. This needs to be a show, okay. They need to make this on the WWE Network. It's like idiotic wrestlers. Oh, my God. You need to have Bray Wyatt as the head of the Department of Education with his Firefly Funhouse. <laughs> Hi, kids. <laughs> you guys want to learn a new word today? It's called nepotism. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> so, so one last thing, because I know we're going to start rolling into, into the crazy soon. We've, uh, we've already descended into lunacy here on the show. Um <laughs> Funky, I know you were all up in arms about it. Did you ever settle it out and figure out whether or not you were going to get the Final Fantasy VII remake or not? Um, I did play the demo, and that demo, oh my god! Like it, it took half an hour to download. Just, mm-hmm. just the demo. Um, <clears throat> the demo itself, I shit you not, was over an hour of um, mm-hmm. solid. Solid, solid gameplay. I really enjoyed the movements. I, I fucking loved the graphics just because anything that was a cutscene had um, graphics that were comparable to the Final Fantasy Advent Children movie, which I absolutely mm-hmm. fucking love. Um, and it's just the thing of before well, I. Oh, it's definitely like, better than the I'm, I'm, within, That's for shit, sure. Oh, oh fuck yeah! <laughs> um, but um, it's a thing of if I'm gonna do this, I have to expand my hard drive before I can download it. But um, the Ziva has wow, always said, "Go buy a hard drive." Hard drive, man. <laughs> I, I got a, I got a small hard drive on, on my PS4, so I I gotta buy. A, a bigger hard drive so that I can download shit because my hard drive is pretty much full as it is. Um, the, 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 because WWE 2K19 took up like 50% of my hard drive. What do you have, like a 500 gig system? I guess so, man. <laughs> but, yeah. Wow. No, well, I know your your issue was with the whole thing with the parts. I mean, what I can tell you right now, um, I did, I got it. Um, uh, oh, finally, you did? You know, I know. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you know what? Again, I've got the time on my hands. I uh, was a huge, to say I was a huge fan of Final Fantasy VII is probably not even enough of a descriptor of it. Um, Final Fantasy VII was I the game I... that got me back <laughs> into gaming. Um, it was the game that made me rent a, a, a PlayStation from Video Home Center along with the game itself. But because I didn't have a memory card, I would just leave it running. Oh. I would play for hours and then leave the system on overnight, leave it on all day while I worked to come home, unpause yeah. it, and continue playing again. Um, so it was at that point that I decided, you know what, because I had logged in 
don't know, 40 hours or so over the course of a week. <laughs> I ended up going at the end of that week, taking a, my check book to Sears. This is how long ago that was. <laughs> and I wrote out a check to Sears to purchase my PlayStation along with Final Fantasy VII. Um, I know your whole issue, too, was with the, the fact that it was only going to be parts and you're paying a full price. I can tell you right now, part one, whatever this is, it's almost a 90 gigabyte game. There's enough content in here to warrant oh, one full game. You know, so it's definitely there, and each part is going to be about the same length as a full game. From, uh, from what I heard of my son, gameplay of each part, or at least the first part, has got 40 hours worth of gameplay in it. So, I mean, right there alone, that's, you know, he said, do side quests, all that shit, because supposedly once you leave the main area, you're, you're out of it. And, you know, the beginning is just you know, where you're starting. So, yeah, I'm on a five-hour okay. download schedule at the moment. <laughs> Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's just, uh, again, I, I was impressed. Okay, but but you're an Xbox player, so this thing is available on Xbox? No, no, I uh, booted up my PlayStation 4. Uh, that, that led to its own level of nightmarish proportions today. <laughs> so I, I rebooted up my PS4, which I haven't played in quite some time, but I do have it along with the VR and all that stuff, which I don't use. <laughs> so I, too, got my, my little bit of a bonus today. I go okay. to re-up my PlayStation Plus because that had expired. Well, right. at the same time that I was re-upping my PlayStation Plus, I was like, oh, look, Red Dead Redemption 2, the Ultimate Edition, is on sale for like $40. I'm going to get that along yeah. with the PlayStation Plus because, one, I wanted to play it when it came out, but I wasn't paying $90 for the fucking game. Now it's only 40 Yeah, I can do that. When I go to put this through, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's because it was the PlayStation I don't know if it's because it was, I, I don't know. I have no answers for it. But they, my bank decided they're going to shut down my card on a $100 purchase all of a sudden. So this led to me, and I'm guessing a lot of other people having the same issue, all try to contact the bank to get it, re, you know, to get it repaired. But all you can get when you're calling the bank are busy signals. So then I take a drive. Right all the way over to my bank, in which I'm there on this obnoxiously long line of cars with, I guess, other people that were having similar problems or just people that were going to go run and take the money that they all got today out of the bank all at the same time. Um, So, yeah, so after sitting for about an hour and a half, the only thing that they could do to rectify the situation was give me a brand new card because they couldn't unlock my card because apparently the people in the bank couldn't even get in touch with customer service to fix my card. So, new card. So, basically, that that took up about two and a half hours of my day. So, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Also, you can play PlayStation. Uh, well, yeah, because um, because I'm the same way. Where it's like I I was a big Final Fantasy VII fan. Um, I still have my copy of Final Fantasy VII, along along with the big ass book that you would play page by page while you're working your way through the towns and shit like that. I I still have those <laughs> because my son still comes over and he he'll pop in and play Final Fantasy VII and be like, I'm gonna play Final Fantasy VII. I was like, all right, see you in a week. <laughs> 
I'm looking forward to actually finishing it because Final Fantasy VII is one of those games that for my life hangs over my head as me not finishing it. For for two reasons. One, I spent countless, 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 countless hours trying to fucking breed Chocobo so that I could get, like, all of the great, like, materia. You needed, like, whatever whatever the yeah. highest level Chocobo was, you needed to breed, like, these two Chocobos, get another color, then breed another Chocobo, get that color, then breed those Chocobos together, and then you would get one that could run wherever you needed it to go on the map so that you could get the Ultima, the Ultima materia. Yeah. So that you could get the best summons in the game. I would breathe the chocobo. It wouldn't happen. I would have to restart the game and do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Oh. But that never occurred. Ever. You're talking weeks that I was trying it. I must have been doing something wrong. But, you know, again, back then, the only way you got this information from the internet, which did exist, but you had to print out, like, these these old school <laughs> business style printed copies of like a cheat sheet guide. And this guide that I printed out, you know, had like all of these tips and tricks that you needed to do to breed all of these chocobo. If it was bad information, fuck that person. But I could never get it done. So eventually when I did finally say, you know what, fuck all this chocobo breeding. I'm just going to go into the big pit, you know, because the big meteor comes down, makes that big fucking crater. I don't know. Yep. I thought my guys were pretty fucking well leveled at whatever they were at. I thought I was walking in like a big fucking badass with my big swords and my big dick, you know, only to get like three or four fights in and came up across a fucking group of those motherfuckers holding their lanterns that spanked my ass so fucking hard that I was like, I need to go back out and do a lot of leveling and I moved on to another video game system by that point. I think I got my Dreamcast. Ah, that sounds pretty crazy, cool. <laughs> Not really, but that's the life of a fucking nerd in, you know, 1997. <laughs> yeah. So, so speaking of, I was going to say, before we get into the movie real quick, uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about real quick, it's not even a talking point, really, but it's uh, George C. Romero, that's Cameron Romero, uh, George's son from his first marriage, he had been working on a prologue to Night of the Living Dead. He wanted to make it into a movie called Rise of the Living Dead. It was supposed to take place before the events of 68. He was trying to make this movie for the longest time, and he couldn't get it made, couldn't get the funding. But now he is releasing a comic book through Heavy Metal Magazine called Rise by George Cameron Romero. That's going to be releasing soon. I can't wait to get a copy of it and to read what he had for the prologue. And why I say that is because it ties into the movie tonight, which is directed by George A. Romero, the late, the great, the maestro, George A. Romero, 1973, The Crazies. So going into the plot of the movie, that's right. Uh, On the verge of starting their own family, a firefighter and a nurse struggle to survive in a town quarantined by the military following the accidental release of a contagious bioweapon. As Colonel Peckham and the scientists who developed the disease attempt to contain the virus, a violent conflict erupts between the military the frightened townspeople resisting martial law, and the victims of the passengers, none other than the crazies. <clears throat> so this is a movie that I saw back in high school uh, when IFC was still fucking so cool excited. and playing all the horror movies. So uh, <laughs> I watched it, and I thought, this is fucking Romero. I love Night of the Living Dead. So it was kind of my first exposure to what he could do 
that doesn't involve zombies, something that's involving a virus, something that's involving the military. Um, and I mm-hmm. fell in love with it. And then I went on and went to go see Martin and Knight Riders and all the other movies that he did. But The Crazies was the first one. And I feel like now, even more than anything, this movie is prevalent. I think what we're going through, there are a lot of parallels when you watch The Crazies uh, to what our current situation is. So with that said, uh, Ghoul, what did you think about The Crazies? Um, I mean, listen, you know, we, uh, I mean, this isn't the first time we've spoken about this film. Uh, mm-hmm. And, I mean, look, the reality is this. When we first time we covered this movie, it was during an episode, our second episode of the show. Yes, it was. Ever. So it was our second episode. We decided we wanted to, to cover remakes. Here we were, two, two fledgling podcasters, radio hosts, whatever the hell you want to call us. Um, and we were like, yeah, we're going to cover remakes next week. And I went on to watch like 20 of them. 13, 13 to 15 <laughs> movies in the course of a week. Okay, watching the original film and then the remake. All to try to cram it within a two-hour episode, which had a one-hour runoff that would go into a podcast only. So you couldn't even hear it live. You had to actually download the entire fucking three-hour event in order to hear that shit. Um, this movie is... And I, and I remember it clear as day back then. This is a movie that's full of potential. This is a movie that feels like this was George Romero trying to give you the, the prequel to Night of the Living Dead, but just didn't get done exactly like that. Um, but it felt like it, you know, it felt like it wanted to go there at times. And I think you feel that and see that more in the remake of it from 2010, because in that movie, they oh, yeah. Yeah. were more like zombies, you know, whereas in this film, it's a little, it's, it's a lot different than that. So, but yeah, I, you know what? I don't, I don't hate this movie. I enjoy it uh, to a degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monkey, what'd you think about the crazies? Um, this was my first time watching this movie, and I was excited to watch this movie just because, you know, as you know, a couple of years ago, um, the Diva and I went to Monroeville and went to Evans City, you know, so I, I was actually in the town where this was filmed, and it was just cool because as scenes are happening and shit like that, you know, Diva and I are both pointing out, hey, we were there, we were there, you know, you know, oh, that's the bank, that's where the plaques are, you know, for the movies of... Night of the Living Dead and the crazies and shit like that. So it was cool to actually see the those scenes. What? <laughs> see, see those scenes of places where we actually been. Um, then that being said, this is uh, one of those movies that even though it's not very famous, not very popular, this is like the Ebola syndrome last week. This is one of those movies that people should be watching right now. Um, because while Ebola syndrome, as far as bad as it was, it was talking about what you can do to take personal responsibility during a pandemic situation. This movie is about, on the flip side, the government trying to take responsibility or take actions <laughs> to make up for their inaction. You know, this this is exactly one of the movies people should be watching right now to, you know, maybe, you know, wrap their heads around the situation of what exactly is going on in the United States. Um, but on the flip side, man, it's weird because this movie is almost 50 years old. Like, it, 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 yeah. like three more years. It's, it, you know, it's going to be 50 years old. And it's 
surprising how much quarantine procedures have not changed from what's imagined in this movie and put put before us. What the fuck you think's going to change? What, to, Quarantining is quarantine. Yeah. You know? I mean, uh, fucking you <laughs> I, I'm just saying, though, dude, it's like, it's weird, like, how much of the technology and stuff like that has not really changed. Like, and everything that well, they're going through in the movie were... Yeah? Okay. What do you think a bomb shelter was like 50 years ago versus what you think a bomb shelter is like <laughs> now? <laughs> I, I got you, man. <laughs> it's probably similar. It's just that, uh, yeah, just uh, but at the same time, it's just, you know, it's odd that everything that we're seeing them do is everything we're having to do now when we just want to go to the fucking store. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in, a, in a different way. What about you, Dan? How do you feel about the movie? Uh, well, like I said, I, I'm just, I'm a fan of this movie, you know, back then. And I just, I'm watching it now. There are just decent parallels to what we're going through now. Maybe not so much with the quarantine, uh, where you're just packing a whole bunch of people into a, a high school um, and just quarantining off this town. But I just I appreciate the fact that this movie drops you into the shit right away. It doesn't have like a prologue where it's like everything's great, right? Like everything's wonderful in Evan City, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, pew, there goes the bomb, and all of a sudden everybody's like, I feel sick all of a sudden. I don't feel good. Like no, they just drop you into it. <laughs> where people are already going crazy because, as you find out, this happened six days ago, and the government's trying to cover it up real fast. Let's get this town quarantined. Let's get these people wrangled <laughs> up because we have to figure out what the fuck to do. And, again, you watch what's happening in today, and you're like, okay, well, similar because of the lack of response. But it's just it's cool to see the government played out in this movie in the way they were just trying to find the best way to cover it up. Let's just drop a bomb yeah. on the town. Just, you know, we'll, we'll just say, you know what? We had to do what we had to do. You know, a bomb dropped, and this town's gone. Well, they were going to mm-hmm. say it was an accidental accidental crash uh, of a you know, military plane that just happened to have a huge-ass bomb on it, you know. <laughs> but, well, okay. um, it's the government explaining away that they can't. You know, they can't bomb U.S. <laughs> civilians. Like, look, not to, like, take a real-world parallel for that, but that's like the plane that got, you know, that crashed over PA uh, during 9-11. You know, like, yeah, honestly, yeah. I-, I believe that that plane got shot down. And if the U.S. government yes, turned around and said, hey, listen, you know, we shot that fucking plane down because we didn't, we couldn't, they couldn't respond to us. They weren't saying anything. And three other planes just crashed into two buildings in the Pentagon. So we did what we felt we had to do for safety reasons. I have absolutely no problem with them fucking shooting that plane down. Mm-hmm. Right. No. They did what they did. Um, and what, when you get into this movie, you have a father who's killed his wife and sets his house on fire with his two kids inside. So that's how we kick off this movie. And you get introduced to David and Judy, a couple. Judy's a nurse. David's a firefighter. They're both responding to two different things. David's got to go to the fire. And Judy has to go to the hospital where just things are escalating with the military already, where they're bringing in the, the ultraviolet lights and they're setting everything up. And just, you know, you have to follow our direction now. This is just too big for you to handle. So already, like you said, you're in the shape. How much of that do you think is George Romero doing it? 
on purpose because that's that's design or how much of that do you think is a novice filmmaker who might not have had a budget to really give you anything else he's not really a storyteller you know night of the living dead doesn't really tell you a story as much as it throws a bunch of people into the shit you kind of get the same thing Mm -hmm. in that movie you know where you get you know the the brother and sister driving and then all of a sudden they're fucking attacked um yeah you know so i feel like in a lot of ways that's always romero's like weakness is actually crafting a story he can give you a world but he can't tell you a story uh, go ahead, Monty, because I wanted to say something about that. But go ahead, Monty. Yeah. No, I was just, I was actually going to echo what the ghoul had said here because um, you had said something about this was a journey pro- journeyman project for Romero. But I wanted to ask yeah. you, it's like even though he was only director, how much of the story you think he was probably involved with? Because this has a this movie has a lot of undertones that carry out through Romero's career. Oh, it absolutely does. And that's because the original script that was written for The Crazies was called The Mad People by Paul McCullough. And the original script, maybe 10 pages, were about the military, and the rest was about the people and how they've uh, succumbed to this virus and, and dealing with this virus and being in quarantine. So when Lee Hessel, the producer of the film, gave it to George, he said, I want you to retool the script, and I want you to make it more military-based, and I want you to make it more government-based. So that we're not focusing so much on the people, but the ineptitude of the government, because that was a lot of what people were feeling back then. But the government does not have your best interests in mind. So George retooled it a little bit, but this isn't his script. I mean, he always said that. This is just it's something that they gave me. I retooled it a little bit, and I got behind the camera, and I made it. So it's not one of those movies where he's like, this is my baby. I care about it so much. You know, I created this story. So, no, it's just it was a journey the project. It's just because of him doing None of the Living Dead that that's why he got the project. Right. Which, but at the same time, though, it's, it's the, the tone and the feel of what's going on in this movie. It's like maybe he didn't write it, but it's definitely got his, like, I don't know, his, his stamp on it for the, the way Romero tells the story. And he writes stories in a way that is bleak. Like, these people are put in these situations, and it's not a happy situation, and there's not really a way out of it. You know, it's just about survival, and that's why I've always appreciated the way he can write, because it's not a happy ending. You know, it's not just, you know, we're going to be happy, we're going to have fun. You know, it's, just, it's a bleak situation with characters that are just thrown in something that they shouldn't have been thrown in the first place. Yeah, okay. but I mean, that's cool. not cool. just that it, it's not just bleak. You know, I mean, yes, he, he paints this bleak picture. Like I said, he's, he can create a world. He created a world that literally lives on in multiple franchises now. When you oh, see yes, Walking yep. Dead, Night of the Living Dead, like all of those things. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, this movie actually feels like it has more in common with uh, Return of the Living Dead than anything yeah. else. Oh, yeah. With the whole, you know, loss of a freaking government agent that creates this problem. And what is this problem? Well, it makes people fucking nutty. Well, in that movie, it made people fucking zombies. It made the dead come to life. Um, the way it gets spread around a little bit. Uh, it's going through the drinking water, whereas in, you know, it's through the rain for uh, Return of the Living Dead. Uh, oh, I wondered cool. if mm-hmm. Joe Russo actually had anything to do with this, because it was like, wow, man, like there really were so many things that were taken <laughs> from it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he can craft this world. 
and yeah, he can draw you the most rudimentary, basic character archetype. You know, here is high school jock. Here is military guy. <laughs> here is female. But he doesn't actually develop anything as a character. He doesn't give you anything but the world itself. And, like, watching this, it really, like, as I sat here watching it, you know, like, because I remembered everything about the film, it just really started making me think about, like, all of his movies over the years. And it just kind of, like, it kind of, like, dawned, like a light went off. And I was like, wow, you know what? Yeah, George Romero creates a world. But he sucks as far as telling stories go. He sucks as far as developing characters. Like, he doesn't give you anything other than the, the world. It's basically like a sandbox video game game um but okay i i see where you're coming from though because romero also has a habit of like you said giving you your cookie cutter characters but then his idea of fleshing them out is we have those 15 minutes of exposition where everyone as a group tells their story to each other and that is romero's style of fleshing out the yes, characters yeah, for you is you 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 get that moment of exposition and, but then, other than that, then after that, it's back to survival. Because that's but, how yeah, Romero does his shit. But see, an actual, like an actual visual storyteller should be telling you that through action. They should be telling you that through the motivations of the characters themselves. If I want a 15-minute exposition on a character, I'll read the script notes. I'll read the novelization. You know, that's how you get that. I mean, I don't feel like having somebody read from a script. And this is, you know, I went to football and high school with you, and I should have banter, not you. You know, like that's – it's dull, especially when you're dealing with actors that are – you know, I don't want to say subpar, but they're obviously not the top of their game either. Um, yeah, again, I just, like I said, like I felt like this movie of all of Romero's films is one that has so much potential to be remade. It has so much potential. And when I knew that this was remade, I was so excited to see the 2010 one after watching this film. And I was so disappointed with that one because this one is clearly better than that movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow! I mean, so, so the remake, the the remake is even yeah. worse. Well, the remake no, is more. It's, uh, it's uh, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 like a zombie movie it's action. You know, it's I don't know. It's hard to describe. It doesn't feel you like know. a remake of this film, is what it is. Not it at all. It feels like yeah. somebody mm-hmm. took a zombie movie and was like, "Hey, you know what? Why don't we call it the Crazies?" <laughs> yeah. And I know that Romero had no involvement with it because I, when I met him for the second time, and this was in 2011 when the movie was coming out, and I'd asked him, did you have any involvement with the crazies? He said, nope. They didn't call me, so they're free to do whatever they want. <laughs> you know, God bless them. But, so he had no involvement. He had no say in it, you know, no, nothing like that. Um, but Because yeah, in the movie, you have everything starting out with the government coming in, you have Dr. Brookmeyer, who is Judy's boss, giving her all the antibodies and saying, you need to get out of here. It's like, shit's sneak going out, down. Get the fuck out of here. Your... Get David get... and go. Yeah. But, and kind of like he's worried about her, but he's worried about her because she is pregnant. And yeah. he's worried mm-hmm. about, the, you know, the child and Pre-gnaught. making sure the child is safe. Yep. My pregnant. So you need Sorry, to read. I, hear the word, I hear the word pregnant, and it just reminds me of something my kids show me. There's, like, some video with some monotone guy who's reading, like, 
I don't know, Reddits or tweets or whatever, of like people like asking questions about like, how do I know if I'm like pregnant or whatever, but they misspell everything. So there are people that like, but, and the guy's like monotone voice is like, am I pregnant? You know, can I get pregnant through anal sex? You know, stuff like that. Uh, I'll send you guys a link. It's funnier <laughs> when you see it that way. My no, bad. Sorry I know exactly what you're talking about. I've seen that. You know, the Yahoo Answers. <laughs> the Yahoo yes. Answers. That's Whereas, what it is. Yeah. Yahoo so, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, so, yeah, he's telling her to get out of here. You're pregnant. Get the antibodies and get out. Find David. So David and his friend Clank, who are both firefighters, meet up with Judy after she's uh, cordoned off by the soldiers. You have to go to the gymnasium. You have to go to the high school. No choice. We're quarantining this fucking town. And they're like, well, you know, you have to find a way out. Like, <laughs> we can't be in this band. We can't go to this place. We have to get out of here and find a plan. Judo <laughs> well, I mean, here's, here's what doesn't later. make any sense, right? I mean, hey, and like here, you're talking 1970s, okay? And you know, look, the biggest obvious difference between now and then is communication, and the 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 the, the technology that we have now that we obviously didn't have then in order to communicate with one another and and transfer information instantaneously between ourselves, mm-hmm. but. In any situation in which you have a sickness that can be transferred from person to person, how is it ever intelligent to say, hey, let's gather everybody in one location? (laughs) Let's put them all in the high school because that's smart. We're going to get all these people that are infected in one big area together. Well, that's the thing, though. You're saying the people that are infected. But here you have a, a situation in which you don't know who is and who isn't infected. Which I well, like. I like so that aspect. if you weren't infected, chances are you are now. That's like if, that's like if um, Trump got on right now and was like, okay, listen, uh, all governors of all your states, I want you to tell everybody in every single town they all need to go gather at the local high school gymnasium, regardless of whether they're sick or not. We just want everybody to meet up there. This way, you know what? Why not? Why not get everybody sick? This way they can all fucking deal with it at the same time. Right, but on the flip side, this was also the government's backup in case things went bad. Is at least they had everyone in a consolidated area, so exactly. if they had to take the area out, you had a smaller target to take out as opposed to the entire which, town. Which is what I felt like was what was really going on there. They really had no intention yeah. of containing this other than just <laughs> exactly. rounding everybody up and mm-hmm. dropping a bomb on the place or right. blowing it up, blowing you know, it on fire, whatever the fuck they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And that's what but, I love well, about I'll, these people that are infected is the fact that you do not know who is infected. You don't. They don't, mm-hmm. like in the crazy, the 2011 version, they turn into zombies. And this one, you don't mm-hmm. know. It could be your neighbor. It could be your friend. You don't know if they have it or not until they just go crazy. Um, the but one scene was the, 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 yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing too, though. You know what I mean? And like they play on it in this film. And like you said, 2010, they're like zombies. You clearly know if somebody's infected <laughs> yeah. or if somebody is not. In this film, and it is one of the smarter things that I felt was in it. You don't know if somebody's just kind of losing it 
because they're being right. forced into a situation. They're being told that, you know, martial law is being called. Like, I know, like, you know, like the ghoul girl and, like, my mother in particular. Like, when they started hearing grumblings, like, around recently, when they started talking about, like, martial law, this and that, like, it put them mm-hmm. in a bit of a panic. Is in like, you know, is that really going to happen? Like, what is that? What do you mean, like, the military gets to call all of the shots as far as everything that goes down? Um, so now you have these people that are in a panicky state and you don't know if it's because they're sick or are they just reacting in that in the way because that's their their way of dealing with the situation. And it, it yeah, plays it out was, that way when you get to see the soldiers gathering up people, when they're going into the houses mm-hmm. and they're taking the kids away and the parents away and you see the one father go for a gun. Like, nope, they're not going for that gun. And, you know, because they don't know <laughs> if he's crazy or not. But I love the sequence when you go into the one house with the guy trying to defend his house and he's shooting all these soldiers. They finally get him down. The daughter's in the room playing the piano, just staring off into space. And they're like, okay, well, we need to get her out of here. They go upstairs and you have the mother knitting. Just sitting there, just innocently knitting. And then she gets up and just stabs the shit out of the one soldier. And he's like, oh, yeah, she's killing me. And then she goes back and sits down and she's like, oh, hey, everybody. What are you doing here? <laughs> like it's just so frightening that you know, she looks normal, but she's fucking. She's got it. She's infected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she, she stabs the fuck out of the soldier a couple times, and then just goes back to ro- rolling up her yarn into a ball. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> like nothing. Nothing happened. <laughs> Bitch is crocheting, man. She's got a sweater to make. Uh, yep. <laughs> it's Pennsylvania. It gets cold up here in the winter. Yeah, it does. Um, I, I like the character of Colonel Peckham because with Colonel Peckham, he's put in a situation that he doesn't want to be in. You know, he's a military guy. He's on the front lines. He's a soldier, but like, he's not here to cordon off a town. Like he doesn't want to be there. And he says it multiple times. Like I'm, you know, I'm a soldier. Like this isn't what I should be here to do, but I'm here anyway. And he's the one saying, everybody needs to calm the fuck down. Like he tells the mayor, you're, you're not in charge anymore. We are. So just sit the fuck down. <laughs> We're taking over your town. You Not even no supposed to be here today. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you know the funny thing is, I mean, this is a direct parallel to what we're seeing going on right now between the governors of New York and New Jersey and fucking right. Donald mm-hmm. Trump. You know, they're all busy getting all up in their fucking shit right now, saying, you know, well, we're the ones that are going to make our decision, and we got, you know, King Trump saying that, you know, he's the only one that gets to say what he wants to say. And I, well, and I mean that, I mean that tongue in cheek, because I'll be perfectly honest with you. You know, I don't think he's really doing all that bad of a job. I think he's doing the best that he can possibly do with what he has available to him at the moment, especially when you got a fucking, you know, we've got a a population and and a media, and I don't mean to say, oh, fake news, all that bullshit, but what I'm saying is Mm -hmm. things get out there, they get out there way too quick, and misinformation is being spread faster Mm -hmm. than real information is, and that's a problem. Well, and and like a, the quarantine that's going on right now, that no one is listening and no one's staying indoors like they're supposed to. Here we have people that are coming outside to take. We are because we because we have a job to do right now. That's why we're inside. But but everyone else is going out to public parks and shit like that with their families and crap. You know, going outside like you're not supposed to. 
But, again, like in the movie here, okay, you have people coming out, and now people are starting to try and fight off the soldiers, and people are coming out there, you know, using using their amendments, bearing arms against the soldiers because they're not taking this shit. <laughs> no, they, they just, you know, they don't want to have to deal with the military. It's, it's martial law. Like, they have the feeling like they could defend their property, which is, of course, right. Like, you know, like, I don't have to leave my house. <clears throat> I don't have to go to this fucking gymnasium and be with a whole bunch of other people. I have the right to be in my house. Um, well, come on. Is that, is that what the British were trying to do with us when we said originally that we didn't want to pay their taxes? Right. We were like, hey, <laughs> listen, we're not going to pay you shit. So then they decided, hey, guys, you know what? We're just going to come to your house and we're going to be like, hey, why don't we all meet up at the school gymnasium? And we're all going to sit and we're going to really <laughs> discuss this like civilized people. So we, as the Americans that we are, shot them. Um it worked out in our favor, so I'm all good with it. I don't have a problem with this scenario. And it's it's I like that you brought that up because in the movie, <clears throat> because uh, in the movie when David Judy Clank and Artie and his daughter Kathy escaped the, the military van, you have Peckham now saying any resistors are going to be shot, they're going to be shot and they're going to be burned. Like we don't have time for this. So if anybody gives you any resistance, kill them and then burn them. Like you have the priest in the church saying you can't you. They're safe. They're in the church. They're my congregation. They can't leave. They're fine here. No, nope, we got to get everybody out. So what does he do? He decides to self-immolate, and he sets himself on fire <laughs> to sacrifice himself. So it's like, oh, well, you know, yeah. their body. I think they yeah, were trying to one get of the, that whole Vietnam thing, though, where the monk that or whatever. Yeah, whatever I know. Yeah, China mm-hmm. China yeah that, whatever that's, it is. They, they were uh, monks in Vietnam that were setting themselves on fire in the streets. Mm. Yeah. And it's 73, uh, but, so I but, totally got that reference. I think he was just cold. Yeah, that's exactly what they're going for. <laughs> burning himself. Well, the, well, again, this is also, this is PA, and we know what happened with a lot of priests over there. So he probably knew that it was going to come out that he had little boys, you know, choking <laughs> on his pee Yeah. <laughs> but with the resistance We don't need all no the water, let the motherfucker burn. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Yeah. So with with the resistance happening and people being shot and burned and you get to see that in numerous sequences. I mean it, the one scene that hit me was the the two people running out of their house, getting shot and burned and the little kid going, Mom, mom like you know, I was like, Oh man like this fucking little kid just lost both his parents because they tried to fight back against the military. Um but you like I said, you had Artie, you have Kathy, you have Clank David and Judy on the run from the military. Uh, They're trying to escape at every chance to get to a house. To, you know, kind of sit there for a little while and just catch their breath. And then you see Clank filling up one of the bottles of water. And you know that the infection's in the water. So I'm like, oh, he's done. <laughs> and I was like, Clank is going to drink that water. And he's going to be done. You know, and it's just, you, you want to tell him not to drink the water. But, you know, obviously, you know, he has to. Um, but it, it, cause I like, well, it's like, Eli, Ro- it's like Eli Roth's cabin fever. You know what I mean? When he, mm-hmm. when he's got the glass of water and he's bringing it to her, it's like, you know, fuck kid, don't drink it. But at the same time, you want him to drink it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this gang, they're on the run and you also get introduced to Dr. Watt played by Richard France, who also would make an appearance in Dawn of the Dead doing the same thing. Oh, I really so. liked him in this movie, man. It's just he was just so good. It, it he was the most role is, yeah, it's just and <clears throat> excuse me, and I just really enjoyed just his booming voice and you know just you know tr- trying to be Come like on, I'm a scientist. 
<laughs> I, I, I really, really This has to be that. stopped. <laughs> I feel like he knew the movie that he was in wasn't all sure that good. So he was like, you know what? I am going to play this however the hell it is that I want to play it, which in this case is going to be completely over the top. He is very, I, I wouldn't say he's good, but I will say he is very entertaining in the role. That is for sure. The, the, the vocal affectations that he takes on, is he not American? Like there's he's certain, American. Like, word, okay, see, More there were certain words, the way he was saying them, made me think he was like European or, or something, maybe Canadian, mm-hmm. because he just wasn't, like he said his A's a weird way. Yeah, no, he, he was born in Pittsburgh. He was a, a film critic. Uh, that George Romero was a big fan of. So he decided to put him in uh, this movie as a doctor. And then he also put him in as a doctor in Dawn of the Dead. And it's because he talked that way. <laughs> he just he loved the fact that he had this yeah. kind of over-the-top yeah. enunciation mm. of everything he had to say. So whenever mm. he's on screen, you must yeah. stop this. Yeah. I will not give my voice ID <laughs> anymore. You fucking people. <laughs> Like, like, I just, he was soft A's. Like he doesn't have a hard A's. You know, like if you say the word chance, we say chance, you know? He says chance. chance. Like it was like, well, where the fuck yeah. are you from, bro? Like did you just like step out of like a time machine? Well see, I took it as he was just hamming it up and like doing his best Orson Welles impression that he could That's a good call. Movie. He was like, Fuck it, I'm gonna play it as Orson Welles. Fuck this shit. That's a great call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um but he's the one that just he, – he's responsible for Trixie, and he's the one putting their feet to the fire going, you knew about this six fucking days ago, and you did nothing. And now you want me to be here in this lab to wear a mask and try to come up with an antidote to this shit. And you're giving me no supplies. You're giving me no computers. You're giving me nothing. <laughs> you know? He didn't want to be there from the, from the first part, though. When he's nope. driving on the tra- – when he's on the back of the little trailer, the truck thing, when the, the, the Jeep or whatever, you know, he's telling yeah. them – like, I'm going to be no good over there. I don't even know why you're sending mm-hmm. me here. I need to be in a lab where I have computer access. I can do all of these things. I can make all these tests. Sending me there is going to do, do you absolutely no good. Right. But again, yep. being, that he so, being that we know how closely he worked with it, and we see that he is very manic from the start, it makes me wonder, was he already infected and they knew it, which is why they were trying to consolidate all the infected people in one location. That's Maybe. why they also stick, the, 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 him, they stick him in a lab in the school with all of the other inmates. <laughs> I mean, that, 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 it, that's a possibility. I mean, that's a possibility, but, but and, it's also one of those things when you, when you see him with the antidote. When he has it, he's like, I could go meet up with Peckham two minutes away, and the soldiers don't recognize him, and they don't know who he is, and they start corralling him into everybody else that's in that gymnasium. You know, it's like you would think that they would know who he is, but they obviously, I mean, no face recognition, not like today, where you can watch a news video. Oh, yeah, it's Dr. Watch. If he, that's, there's Dr. Fauci, you know what I mean? But, like, that's the thing. (laughs) Like, you even have to wonder whether or not he found a cure at that point. Because, one, the woman working with him doesn't see anything. She has no idea what she's looking at. She's questioning him, and he's giving her no answers. His responses to her are, well, you're not a scientist. That's why you don't understand what you're looking at. You know, so when he goes and runs off and she looks at it, you even see on her face, like, what the fuck am I looking at here? 
it makes you wonder, did he really find something or was he really succumbing to the entire process? And this might have been his attempt at, like, getting out, you know, like, hey. I, I want to say he did. Here. I don't know. I want to say that he did have it, like, because she's not a scientist on the level that he is. And I felt like that's what he kept trying to tell her the entire time is that I am more educated than you. Mm. I know Trixie. I know what to look mm. for. And she does it. He knows what to look for. So when it's he gets there, a... he's like, I doubt it. He says it himself. It's a one in a million chance. One in a million mm-hmm. chance that they actually came across this without having the ability to field test it, without having the ability to test it on monkeys or anything like that. I, I can't buy it. I, I know, whatever, maybe they saw the blood, <laughs> you know, the blood reacting in a specific way and all that. And yes, you know what I get? I, I think you can interpret it either way. I see it when I watch it. I see it as him going crazy. And yeah. that was just all part of his, his, his insanity. But then on the flip side, we also have all those shots all the time with the gym shots. And I just fucking loved those gym shots just because um, everyone except the kids knew that they were supposed to be acting. The kids just saw a camera and were fucking smiling at the camera and what? waving uh-huh. and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, the kids, like, you know, fucking weren't keeping character at all. They were just like, hey, I think hey, they hey were. I'm in a movie. Crazy. <laughs> well, no, they're going crazy. Yeah, they're affected. As they're telling you, George Romero's <laughs> level of directing is, hey, everybody, listen, listen, I just want you all to act crazy. I can't tell you what crazy is because crazy is your own thing. So each one of you, I want you to act with what you feel craziness is. Okay? Okay? See that? All right? And here we go. One, two, three. Action. Kind of like George Romero is John Waters all of a sudden. I don't, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I can't remember what George Romero sounds like. I'll be honest with you. So. Flamboyant, apparently. <laughs> um, but oh, if you, you want flamboyant, I mean, like, come on now, okay? We can really go out there if you'd like. Um, but you have your group. You're uh, coming upon the Saunders farmhouse where a couple of the military guys are just there, kind of waiting it out until the next day, and they quickly eliminate them. But of course, David is just so distraught by how Clank just eliminates everybody, and he's like, "There's something wrong with him. I don't know." You know, he might be loose, but it's like, yeah, no, he, he's definitely unhinged. And he's definitely he's <clears throat> succumbing to the infection. Well, Slowly, he's unhinged, but, he but, but at the same time, here's where we see a little bit of character development as well, though, you know, which the ghoul is so craving in this movie, is um, while they grew up and went to high school, you know, high, went to high school together, were on the football team together, you know, Clank was just regular military, while David went on to become a Green Beret, all right? And, Evan City's you know, own Green Beret. Yeah, so, you know, Clint kind of holds that against David, you know, that, you know, somehow he's considered this golden boy of the military, even though neither one of them wanted to go in, in the first place. But, you know... <laughs> Judo <laughs> <laughs> That's all Clank learned. You know, his military training and all, man. You know, I, they should have left the military thing out. Like, I know they were trying to give them character development, but like, what? I guess the one guy, was he a bodybuilder or something? That's what he kind of reminded me of. And the other guy was just an actor. Neither of them seemed to hold themselves as like anybody that I've ever seen in the military and who is now out. Nope. And his, his fighting yeah. skills 
are, while maybe a, a force to be reckoned with within the world of Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, um, in real life, you know, again, the judo chop does not quite work. Yeah. I mean, Clark yeah, shot a helicopter yeah. down. That's a pretty good shot. <laughs> he shot a helicopter down. <laughs> you know, so I give him that. You know, he could yeah. use a gun. Com- complete with the... Uh, Um, but then you also because we we haven't really talked about Kathy and Artie too much Uh, Artie is the father of Kathy Kathy played by Lynn Lowry Uh, I really like Liberty I I really like (laughs) yeah I know I I she was just so fucking pretty in face man (laughs) I was and with, I, yeah. you know, what's funny mm-hmm. is I've met and like actually like hung out with Lynn Lowry. I, you know, I'm watching yeah. the movie the whole time. She's very cool. The only time, like, this is the only time I ever like remembered seeing a movie with her in it. And like I'm watching it, going, "Wow, man, she really is a very pretty woman." I didn't even like put two and two together that I've hung out with her. You know, over like, yes, you have. The years or so, and I'm <laughs> like, "Oh shit, man!" Like, wow, that's where she's from. Damn, she was hot. Yeah. <laughs> Um, she was in Shivers and We Drink Your Blood and a whole a whole bunch of other seventies exploitation films. Her father Artie, Richard Liberty, played Doctor Logan in 1985's Day of the Dead. So he was Doctor Frankenstein. He was the one trying to bring the dead back to a more educated standpoint. But in this movie, you have Artie talking to Clank and saying, you know, my daughter's so young. You know, all these guys want to date her. She's not old enough to date yet. Men are pigs. And I don't like them. Don't you understand this? And Clank's like, yeah, man, it's cool. I mean, I, I don't want you to tell me all this bullshit. I don't care. <laughs> you know. I, I, but I as you find out that crazy, you don't need to worry about it, <laughs> dude. But you find out that Artie has succumbed to it. Dude, he, we he see that George that. Romero was a fucking fortune teller, and he knew exactly what was going to be popular in porn forty years later. <laughs> yeah. It's such a hard, awkward scene to watch, but it's already thinking about, that yeah. his daughter sure. is. Hard, yeah. To me, it is because I just—he thinks that his daughter is May, the, the wife that he that had passed away, and he essentially rapes her to Clank's fucking disgust. Where is it? Oh, you want to talk about pigs now, huh, motherfucker? Oh, you want to talk about pigs? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna talk about pigs. You don't shop. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> and David and Judy go, stop it. You stop fighting him. Like, what are you doing? He never tells them what he did. But at the same time, yeah, he deserves like, that ass. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, instead of just going, oh, he just tried to rape his daughter. And the dude needs to get his ass fucking kicked. Instead, you know, oh, yeah, not, doesn't yeah. say anything. So now they just think he's losing of, him uh, more. That scene of Kathy, you know, when you see her just sitting up out of the bed and she's got blood on her mouth and also blood in between her legs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and she has no reaction yeah, was... to it because she's also succumbing to the virus. So she's also yeah. just fully just becoming what she's going to become, which her scene chasing the sheep, you think that she's just a little eccentric <laughs> and she's going to be fine, but it's, Again, it's hard because these these soldiers have these guns pointed at her, and like any of them could have just grabbed her. Like they're gonna put their guns down and grab her and taking her away. <clears throat> there was no reason to shoot no. them, but at the same time, Peckham's orders were to shoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and again, you know, and she's clearly uh, infected. Uh, sorry, Gould, go ahead. 
Yeah, no, no. I was going to go with, with exactly what you were saying. You know, like watching her performance in the film is probably, I don't know, I guess the closest to a, a realistic descent. You know, if you watch her yeah. carefully throughout the course of her character development, she's slowly going further and further down that rabbit hole. You know, you, you see in her slip little bits here and there. It starts at maybe a giggle or a look. And, yeah, by the time you're in that field with all those sheep, it's just complete and utter madness. So, you know, it's, it's and, you know, unfortunately, yes, the uh, the soldiers do what they were ordered to do, which was shoot. They could have been worse. They could have raped. Like, you know, if that was mm-hmm. made today, they would have raped her. You know, that, that's yeah, the problem. Yeah, they would have so. 28 days later style. They would have had their way. Piper Perry style, you know. Yeah, it would have been bad. And that's and that's another thing that we we didn't uh, also uh, bring up is about the soldiers. Anytime we're seeing any times where the soldiers are having to clear off bodies, you know, uh, clear the fields, you know, take care of bodies that are not, they're going through and they're also pillaging the entire time that they're doing it. Oh, they're going around clearing out wallets, taking money. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. even this like even when they were chasing. Families out of the home and stuff like that because you had the one family that had. Uh, yeah, well, what the fuck was up with the goddamn fishing pole? Why would you take the fucking <laughs> fishing pole? Uh, <laughs> They're there. He's going to take them. They don't need them anymore. They're crazy. <laughs> They're not going to use them. You might as well. You know? <laughs> and it's funny because, as an, uh, a quick aside before we get into the, the third act that we're going into, is that you have the government talking to the president on the video monitor. And the, his back is turned the entire time, and he's telling them what they need to do. That's George Romero as the president in that scene. Yes, it That's is. his voice. <laughs> they dubbed his voice, but it's him. And you could just see him pick up that cigarette, and I was like, that's George. That's <laughs> 1973 George. You know, just sitting there. Because you get to see him in the, uh, the dance hall sequence when they're weeding everybody out. That's they George, George Romero playing Tricky Dick in 73 because <laughs> he's not a crook. <laughs> but, so yeah, going into the third act, you have Clank saying, yeah, "My head's not right, man. Like I'm, just, I'm not doing good. Like I, I can't think straight. I'm having trouble. So we'll meet up someplace. You and Judy go someplace. He's having all this trouble. So he's telling David he'll meet him at some place, and David's like, "No, let's meet by the concrete factory." He's like, "No, we'll meet up this place. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of these guys. You guys go ahead." Because I think at this point, Clank knew he was affected. I think Clank knew he was done. I think he was checking out at this point. He he knew he wasn't going to make it. So he might as well send him the head while they saw a chance. He was going in and out. Because remember, when they bailed on the farmhouse, um, Mm -hmm. he, the, the other guy had said, you know, like, hey, let's go, let's go, let's go. But then Clank, who stayed behind, when he catches up to them, he attacks him, saying, you were going to oh, leave yeah. me. But meanwhile, he was clearly saying, let's go. Now, let's go, yep. all of us, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he kind of realized that. I think that was one of those where, yeah, Clank was kind of going mm-hmm. in and out of like, hey, I am fucked mm-hmm. up. Shit, I'm done. Well, yeah, he runs yeah. off into the woods to face off against all these soldiers and does a fucking great job. Just eliminating oh, all yeah. these soldiers in the woods. <laughs> Like yeah, having no problem doing like, it. Yeah, he like is a like a crack fucking shot. <laughs> and I love it when, he, when he... And he didn't even need to be a Green Beret. 
No, <laughs> but I love it when he reaches that log, and he gets behind the log, and he realizes that the rifle's out of rounds. And you have the soldier going, oh, you out of rounds? Are you? Oh, you don't have any more ammunition left, do you? No, you're out. Do you need more? fucking monologuing. You know, Clank just reaches into his jacket and pulls out the pistol and shoots the guy dead. And it's like, okay, now he's gone, so he has that second to rest, and he's like, oh, man, motherfucker, I need a drink. And then, bam, right in the fucking head. And that's a fucking squib on the side of a guy's head in 1973. Fucking dangerous as shit. And they accomplished it. Yeah, that was just such a good shot, man. Like, no pun intended. Um, but, yeah, that, that hey, one man, made me jump because I, ex- <laughs> I wasn't expecting that at all. <laughs> Neither was Hal. No. <laughs> but just the fact that it's an actual squid put onto his fucking head. It's like, how dangerous that is. But it's such a good effect <laughs> with the syringe of blood coming out. Um, I mean, none of these people on this movie were stuntmen. I mean, it was Regis and Vince Ravinsky that were doing a lot of the stunts when they were being set on fire. That was a lot of that. I mean, there was no stuntmen. It's just people well, being willing to yeah, set on fire. Yeah, because I also heard um, a lot of the stuff were also done, done by the local police and fire department, too. That's correct, yeah. A lot of the local fire department, the local police, and then a lot of high school students playing the soldiers. Um, so you reach the concrete factory. Judy's being put into this concrete kind of fortress by David. And saying, just <laughs> sit here. Everything's going to be okay. Bin. But then she's... But then she starts displaying symptoms of the virus, laughing, not really being there. So you have David just trying to deal with it. Like, all right, we'll, we'll fucking deal with this later. <laughs> there's something wrong with her. I don't know. So I'm just going to have to figure this out. You know, I'll fight off the soldiers and then we'll just move on and we'll just get to the next level of this journey that comes to an end with the soldiers descending on this concrete factory mm. and David uh, getting one and putting on that uniform. And wrong move, dude. But hey, listen, he had, he thought he was doing the right thing. <laughs> but I, I, I liked it say. though. <laughs> I, I liked it though because the whole thing of you know he put, he took the the one guy out with his knife, and then another soldier comes checking up, and he's like, "Everything okay?" And then he puts on the mask, and he's all like, "No, no, 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 As he's trying to get Judy out of the concrete fortress, you have the crazies descend, and Judy ends up being shot because they think that he's a soldier and Judy's a sacrifice. And it's a sad moment because she's pregnant with his kid, and she's like, yeah, what are we going to name him? Yeah, I think I'll call him David. I can hear him kicking. Dead. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Wow. It's like that, that was like some fucking deep shit right there. It's like, you know... Man, like only in the seventies would you have some something like that in a movie, man. <laughs> well, because you find out that David has the immunity; he's immune to the virus. Like he's not affected; he has the immunity. But the soldiers know, probably not. Like, but they're going to take him away like anyway bo- to the hospital. Like last week's movie with Ebola syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Except in this version, he's a good person. Yeah. So at least the guy with the immunity is a good fucking person. Um, but he's okay. led away into the. Go ahead, monkey. I'm sorry. No, but you said the crazies descended. I didn't really take that as the crazies. I took that as the, just the local townspeople. 
Because after they, they realize that it's David, that... the reason why you know they're infected is because the woman's sweeping the grass. Oh, oh, no, okay. we're talking about the concrete factory. Oh, this one because oh. the kid sits down and goes, right. "Coach, who's that woman, Coach?" Like, well, yeah, he's oh, crazy. Okay, he's he's infected. He keeps calling him Coach, and he's like, "Yeah, what's the play, Coach? Who's that woman you're holding, Coach?" So it's like it's oh, obviously geez. he's infected. Oh, you know what? See, I'm a tart, man, because I thought maybe the guy was the coach at the local high school or something. No. <laughs> no. Well, well, you know he's a firefighter, but, like, what did he do for a living? Because it's volunteer work for them for the firefighters. It is, yeah. I assume that he was, like, the high school gym teacher. Um, yeah, I, I It could I, be I it. Know. Okay. Maybe. I mean, again, you know, it's kind of lost, you know, whether or not he was because they don't go into it. Um, but at this point, you find out that there's you know, just 1,200 dead in this town. Peckham's reporting back, and they're like, oh, by the way, Peckham, you're not done, because Louisville, Kentucky is starting <laughs> to show signs of this virus, too. So we're oh, going to send you over there, because of how well you did here. <laughs> so I just love that whole sequence of him being checked on, you know, getting all the vitals, you know, giving him the antibiotics, you know, checking him out. And Would this is the scene that George Romero had to get fucking lawyers involved with. This <laughs> is what I love. Is the fact oh, that you have Peckham going out into the field and George Romero had to get lawyers. <laughs> but why did George Romero have to get lawyers, King? <laughs> well, because George, he picked this remote field where he could put down some UV lights and then have Peckham stripped down naked in the middle of this field put on some clean clothes and get lifted off of the helicopter. So, of course, in Evans City, very small town in the middle of nowhere in Pittsburgh, people want to go see a movie get made. So when people came out, they saw a black man getting completely <laughs> naked, and they freaked the fuck out, and they're like, what the fuck is going on? So he had to get lawyers on set and say, it's fine, it's a movie. Like, you know, it, it, it's nothing bad. Because people were starting to call in and say, we don't like this shit. Why is there a black man getting naked in the middle of the field? <laughs> we, so, don't, yeah. we don't like no naked black men in, in, the, in the middle of white Pennsylvania. No. And of course. <laughs> but by black man, they they really were saying the word. But, you know, we can't repeat that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they were. I'm sure they were saying that. But, yeah, it was the fact that George didn't see anything wrong with it. He's like, we're filming a scene. He had a piece on that covered his dong. So it's not like he was completely naked. You know, even when oh, you watch it, you don't see you, anything. You had to cover no. his penis because, you know, man, you can't have all the white people in the air feeling that bad about themselves. <laughs> that elephant <laughs> trunk. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but, again, Damn. though, like I said, I talked about uh, Colonel Peckham <laughs> earlier. It's another movie where George puts a strong black man in the lead. You know, and I yep. really do appreciate that about George. Well, you know, that he was just never I mean, afraid in this of case, though, in this case, I wouldn't, I mean, listen, is he one of the leads? Yeah, I guess so, on the military end. But the realistic thing is this. He's expendable, which is why the military is sending him to the next one. They say as much when they tell him, hey, we kind of had a feeling that it already traveled down further and broke your quarantine, but we just didn't know for sure. So we're going to send you there next. It's not just because he has experience with it. It's because if he's been exposed already, they want to keep him in that area. They don't want to send somebody that hasn't been exposed 
in because now you're putting another person at risk and you're letting this guy out and about. He said he was a combat soldier. He's a guy that's normally in the field fighting people, killing people, not dealing with this shit. So they're keeping him out there for a reason because you know what? If he's fucking dead, now they can send somebody else in, but they don't give a shit. Yeah. I, no, I that's a good cool. point. <clears throat> no, it's a very good point. I just I appreciated the character. You know, just trying to make the best of a bad situation, <clears throat> trying to quarantine things off, putting in martial law in place. Um, you know, and he's again getting sent off to another job. You know, now I'm off to Louisville. Yeah. And I'm gonna figure out what's next for me as this virus is, is yeah. just on the loose now, you know, but it's kind of good in a way, though, that they don't bomb the town. You know, it's not like that ends well, like Return of the Living Dead style, where they just drop the bomb at the end of the movie. <laughs> might. <laughs> you know. It might happen. Yeah. But we don't know. I like, again, I like to sit here. I like to look at this movie. I like to think, you know, hey, maybe in the back of his head, George was thinking, you know, he was already thinking Dawn of the Dead. And you have this little movie, and oh, no. I kind of like I like to think of it as this weird little bridge between Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. It's this weird little kind of prequel film in which the zombie apocalypse started. You know, this is the town that it all began in, and you know the runoff from this is what leads to what we see in Night of the Living Dead. And then you know years later, when we finally come back to it in Dawn of the Dead, that's the state of the world by that point. Yeah, that's an um, interesting I mean, way to look at it. I mean, I hate to break your heart about that. I mean, that wasn't George's path. I mean, like again, this was a journeyman project. He wasn't interested in doing another zombie movie um, until Dario Argento was the one to put the bug in his ear that you need to do another one. You made a great one mm-hmm. back in '68. Why not do another one? Come to my villa in Italy, and you can write the script. And George is like, ah, I don't know. Like, I mean, is there really much story left to tell? And he's like, yes, there is. Come on, George. You know, write your script. And he did. So what the crazy is, I think he just treated it like he treated it. It's just a journeyman project. It's about an infection. You know, I fucking hate the government, so I'm going to write the government sucks. And this is the movie mm-hmm. I'm going to make. And George is always yeah, adamant yeah, about but, being against the government. Yeah. But I'm saying I can see where the ghoul is coming from, though, is even though it was oh, a yeah, journeyman project, in his, in his head, as a storyteller and a creator, you don't think he's not making notes about future projects? <laughs> no, this one. No, not just that. I mean, not just that, though. The yeah. thing, too, is, though, hey, listen, this is a journeyman project. How much care does he really have for it? I'm just going to reuse ideas that I already have. I'm going to do things that I've already done, or you know what? Hey, I might have a couple more people for this project than I did for my last project. Why don't I try this out and see what happens there? We see him working crowd management here. This is something that he's going to do in Dawn of the Dead a couple of years later, you know, when you have a hell of a bigger cast than what you had for Night of the Living Dead. All of these things run into one or the other. Whether or not he created the actual project doesn't mean his right. working of the project was any different than what he's done with his own work. Yo, no, I, I, in that point, I agree. Um, only because I know, like I said, about how Dawn of the Dead got created. Um, but I could see that that seeds planted about what he would want to do with, with Dawn, you know, with the government, with how everything is handled. So, I mean, I get that. I mean, George has always been anti-government. I mean, that it's always Stop a problem with these movies. <laughs> well, it's always, <laughs> always been. You know, he's very much about the socio-political messages in his movies. 
You know, mm-hmm. he always puts it out there. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the way I felt. This is the way I did. I mean, look at Lens is Dead, where you have Kaufman played by Dennis Hopper, which is essentially George W. Bush. I mean, he, he always had that in there of telling you what the government really wants to do as opposed to what you think they're doing. Um, and that's why Hopper I felt like was definitely crazy, more of like a Donald Trump than a George W. Bush. Mm. Yeah. In now, yeah, in, in today's <clears throat> society, yes, Kaufman is much more of a Donald Trump than a George W. Bush. But back in 2005, that's what George had to work with, so that's why he put that mm. as, uh, as a Bush character. Um, but either way, I mean, the crazies, I think, is underrated. I think that people, like the monkey had said, you know, you're in quarantine, you want to see a movie that was made almost 50 years ago. You know, here you go. Well, give Red, give give Charles yeah. Band or whatever his name is a call, and he'll make Corona Zombies three using crazy, crazy Coronas, crazy Coronas. <laughs> you know, I I, I, I stand by what I said when I first watched this movie. I would love to see a remake that stays true to the concept of this film. Yes, yep. Done with this movie. I, I was loving mm. as opposed to that one that came out in 2011. Mm. All right, so Monkey, you're up next week. What do you have for us? What are we yeah. talking about? Monkey's uh, up to that. Uh, all right. Yeah, okay, since we're running out of time, we're just going to go super quick and be like, we are going to go way off the path here of quarantine Whoa. and sickness and infection and stuff like that. We are going way, way, way off the path here. Um, sorry, we're taking a huge detour to 1990 uh, for the very last um, fan pick we have of the fan picks, and we are covering uh, Demon Wind. <laughs> That wasn't 1990, was it? Yeah, it was. Otherwise, known as Fiery Farts, Demon Wind, a.k.a. Oh, my God, you're right. That was 1990. I I completely thought that was an 88 when I saw it the first time many, many years ago. Uh, Wow, that was... That was the cusp of 90, though. That was 1990 proper. That was just getting ready. The 90s ahead. Demon Wind. Oh. Okay. All right. So, yeah, we're going to do the Wayback Machine to 30 years ago and cover 1990s Demon Wind, the very last fan pick I'm doing this year. All right? That's, that's it. And that's now, nice. Ghoul, how about, you, how, how about you hit us up with a plug, Ghoul? <laughs> well, as always, everybody, I'm going to try to be quick as well because we are running out of time. But while you're locked up inside your house, you're getting your stimulus money. You know what? Put it into small businesses. Go online like everybody else, and you know don't don't just spend all your money on Amazon. Go check out places like Etsy. Go check out you know I don't know fucking what else do people use eBay? I have no idea. I know Etsy. Okay, that's got your crafty shit on it. And while you're on Etsy, go to Bonfire Bead Designs. It's all one word. It's spelled phonetically. Um, you can find all kinds of handcrafted jewelry, gemstones, all beautiful types of work, bracelets, necklaces, pendants. You know, get on there. And like I said, you know, check around the site. There are so many people right now that can use your help, and there's so many ways to do it. I know everybody wants to take that money. They're like, holy shit, we got free money. Let's buy things like video games and all the stuff that I want. But remember, too, there you can help other people with what you got to help yourself. Agreed. So pay your bills, take care of yourself, 
but then get out there and try to pay it forward too. You know, help some people. Help a motherfucker out. Get me laid. Small <laughs> <laughs> business. <laughs> Use that money right. Do what you got to do. Whatever else you have left behind, don't buy a video game. Support small businesses. All right. So, monkey. Next week, we're going to be talking about Demon Wind from 1990, directed by Charles Soult Moore. <sighs> Can't wait. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, until next we meet, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy Jean Singh. Thank you for listening. Keep America strong. Watch your hands. Watch horror movies. We'll get through this together. See you next time, people. <laughs>